In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So the stories of the Gospels are written in a specific way to receive a certain message. And that the way that they're written or broken up, they want us to focus on either stories of events or specific people that we may be able to kind of put ourselves in their shoes and basically pick which side we're on. Basically relate to the people or the characters in the scripture, in the story. Today we see obviously Christ, but there's two other main characters that show up in the story. There's the Pharisee and there's someone known as the sinful woman. That's the name that was given to her. And so when you think of the word, the words or the names Pharisee, we give it a very negative connotation because based on what we know, based on the full story. But back then, a Pharisee is somebody who's one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to the scriptures, somebody who obeys the law to the T, somebody who knows everything about, they were the elders. They were the ones that you would go to about any question about faith. You'd go to them. They were the ones in charge. And so in this, you kind of see the Pharisee, this leader of the faith, inviting Christ into their house. Okay? Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. The story sounds really normal, really nice. That's a nice thing to do that the Pharisee invites Christ in. But then here's the verse that shows us the difference between the two. And we're going to talk a little bit about each of them individually. But here's the verse that kind of switches things around. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. So I want you to picture this for a second. This man, this elder, this really important figure invites Christ to his house. And they're having a meal. And you can imagine what kind of conversation they're having, right? It could be just about the scriptures. The Pharisees were always trying to challenge Christ, kind of trying to like see where he can like slip or, or in, his, in his logic. And so they're talking to him. Imagine just normal conversation over dinner. And then all of a sudden this woman comes in, uninvited, opens the door, runs to Christ, brings an expensive oil with her, sits at his feet, crying, and pours oil on his feet and starts kissing our Lord's feet. Now, you're a guest in this. You're a third party. You're watching this. How do you feel? How do you feel? 
for many of us, it would feel very uncomfortable. Like, somebody, somebody move her. Somebody get, where's security? Like, what's going on? How could somebody do that? The key here is understanding who this woman is. The first thing we learn about her is that she knew that she was a sinner. We don't like that word, sinner. We, we, we feel uncomfortable by it. We barely like to admit it. But understanding that we sin, understanding our state, transforms us. Or allows us to start the process of transformation. This woman understood, knew, believed that she was a sinner. The Pharisee, and you can tell by the conversation, didn't believe that. Did not believe that they were sinners. Even in other stories, you hear about they accusing Christ eating with sinners. But for them, for the Pharisees, they felt like they were above that. They were not, they were not that, at that level. So the first thing we learn is admitting and understanding that we are sinners. We have a problem, right? If you go, if, you, if anybody's heard of what happens or know people who've gone through like AA program or NA program or any of the uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, whatever, any type of an addiction uh, program, the first thing they tell you is you have to admit that there's something wrong. Why are you here? You have to admit that there's something wrong. The first way for healing is admitting that we are in need of healing. And I think this might sound easier said than done. It's easy for us to stop and say, you know, I like, I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. We don't like putting that term sinner. We feel like that's not me. But if we're honest with ourselves and we truly believe and we want to take that next step in our spiritual life, we first have to admit that we're sinners, that we're, we're in need of healing. We're in need of a physician. A physician. And this, I think, is the hardest thing to do in Christianity. And people back then struggled, people now struggle. And understanding that we're in need, then we can take the proper steps. So what is the reaction? You see what her reaction was. She admitted that she's at fault. She admitted that she's a sinner, that she's struggling in her life. So her reaction is, let me go straight to God. Many times, many times people will feel like, you know what, I messed up, I sinned. But instead of going to Christ, they go the opposite way. They feel ashamed. They feel a level of embarrassment, a level of guilt that allows them or pushes them away. This woman defeated all that. This woman 
ran to Christ. She felt, she understood her situation, understood her position, understood that she sins, and ran directly to Christ. Now, was she invited? No. No. Was it comfortable for her? Absolutely not. She, she entered in because she was going to the Savior. She was going to the true physician. Nothing was going to get in her way. Now, we have to ask ourselves, why is it that, one, it's hard to admit that we sin, and two, it's hard to take the steps to get better from those sins? I've actually heard before, when I ask somebody why it's been a while since they haven't confessed, and, and they just very, very like confidently said, Oh, Abuna, I've been doing bad things. When I'm better, I will. Like, that, that's the opposite. Again, we always use the example. It's like going to a doctor after they get better. But the, the beginning part is very important. Understanding and knowing that we're sinners. And next step is going to Christ. Nothing else. Society now, like if you go to a bookstore, yeah, they, they still exist in some places. When you go to a bookstore, there are sections, sections in the bookstore for self-help. Huge, huge sections of self-help books. This is society's way of fixing problems. Versus our self-help book is the Bible. Our, self, our help comes from Christ. Just like we pray in the litany of the sick, we say he is the hope of those who have no hope and the help of those who have no helper. This woman had no helper. This woman had no hope. But she knew where hope was. She knew where the helper is. So what is our reaction? When we sin, what is our reaction? Are we ashamed? Do we, stay, do we stand back? Do we disconnect from people? Or do we run to Christ? We have to ask ourselves that. The next thing you can kind of see is, what did she do once she entered? She was overwhelmed by emotions. She immediately started weeping. She was crying. Now, why is, why is this significant? Because understanding or acknowledging our sin is the first part, but being repentant or remorseful from our sin is very important too. And sometimes we don't reach that point. Sometimes we understand, yeah, I, I, I did bad things. I messed up. We admit that. But then to feel remorseful, to feel like this level of hysteria, right? This weeping, this crying, sometimes it's difficult for us to reach. But what's interesting here is that she reached this level, but acted on it too. She didn't just stay in her, her remorse. The fathers talk about this weeping as a, as a, as a sign of repentance or 
a renewal of our baptism, the same water that comes from our tears, is similar to the water that someone enters in through the water of baptism, where there's a transformation that happens. Because once you're remorseful, once you go to Christ and you're remorseful, then you're, you're on your way back up. You're on your way to true repentance and healing. She immediately served. She, she immediately sacrificed. You all heard about the alabaster flask, how much that is. Some people say it's a year's worth of salary. And she just took it and poured it. Poured it on him. And the idea is the Pharisees were so confused by this. But you can tell for her, for her, that sacrifice, there's nothing that, nothing that is not worthy of Christ. And so do we reach that point? Or do we count everything that we do? Do we hold a list for things that we do for Christ? Well, God, I, I went to church today. God, I opened up my Bible today. God, I, I prayed today. But, you know, things have been really hard at work. Things have been hard with my family, this situation, my friends, my relationship, my whatever. Like, how come you're not fixing this, this, and this? But that's not how we work with God. She didn't go asking God for anything. If you notice, she didn't go and, can, and, and say what she needed healing from what sins were they did. She just went to Christ and sacrificed, served Him, did whatever she needed to do, sat at His feet. And in this, she became a memorial to us. We repeat this gospel. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her. But that she's, she completely transformed. Metropolitan Anthony Bloom says something beautiful. He says, sometimes people behave as if the whole of a Christian life were centered around seeing what is wrong with oneself, on one's unworthiness. We cannot be renewed if we only concentrate on what that which is dead in us, our sins. To come to life, we must turn to that which is alive in us and support it and allow it to blossom. It's not enough to admit that we're sinners, admit that we messed up, but to take the steps accordingly. The Pharisees didn't. And unfortunately, many times, we become like Pharisees. We become just rule followers. We turn Christianity into rules that we have to do. I need to do this, I need to do this, so that God can love me. So that I'm in good standing with God. We also judge others. We say, I'm not as bad as that person. At least I'm doing X, Y, and Z. We become the Pharisees in this story. We become the Pharisees because Christ is on the altar here and our mind is somewhere else. We become the Pharisees because we don't believe that there's anything in need of healing. This gospel shows us two extremes. And basically, it's asking us to choose. 
Are we willing to be vulnerable, exposed a little bit, go to Christ, admit our sins, go for healing, cry, repent, confess, be on the floor, sacrifice, or are we going to stand with our head up high and just look at Christ as a, as a guest? They're not bad people. Pharisees are not bad people. They're not. They're not bad people at all. But they were missing the point. And sometimes we get stuck with the rituals or the rules and we miss the point of the faith. I pray that we think about how we can reach that point where we can be as repentant as this woman and understand our sins so that we may be transformed and glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.